2: Right, ladies and gentlemen welcome back to the no laying up podcast we are out here in germany at the bmw international way Open. out here way out here this is the furthest east you've ever been huh uh
1: i've i mean well, yeah you went the Just wrong way to go korea yeah. and australia depending that on chance. your measurement tool i guess in europe first east you've ever been. yes correct toronto you've been to germany before
3: i have yeah <laughs> uh but only to berlin not to not to uh cologne or munich
2: uh, all right, so we have an interview coming up here shortly with Ernie Els. We're going to talk about that, but kind of want to quickly run run through the week and tee this up a little bit. Uh, Deej, why don't you walk us through uh, through our plan here and our schedule this week?
1: Yeah, so uh, shout out to travel my travel agency, uh, Tron Travel, uh, who basically set up everything. Uh, Tron had us flying into Munich, which was not the quickest way to get to the tournament, I don't think, but it resulted in, in two uh, pretty awesome days in southern Germany uh true or false you wanted the longest possible route on the autobahn to get to (laughs) colina uh
3: false but it ended up on in hindsight it was brilliant yeah we had a couple of great days down there
1: um taped a bunch of video stuff i think that'll probably illustrate kind of what we got into a little better than me talking about it but um yeah it was great I've never seen that part of the world before and, and bounce course. around we uh, I, I, I think one of the big things coming over here I had no idea what golf in Germany was like and I mean not that I really have you know a total understanding of it after four days or whatever but it was pretty cool to see here you know Germans have to uh, they have licenses for everything so you have to take a test in order to play golf you
3: have to be a licensed golfer uh, just the whole thing it was pretty wild wild scene I mean well beyond the golf. You'd never been to Germany, so what was your... Did it, did it live up to your expectations? Oh, yeah. Different it exceeded my expectations. It was, it's
1: was. it been delightful. People have been great. The scenery has been awesome. architecture has been awesome. The, awesome. the food has been phenomenal. Uh, we had some beers. Uh, <laughs> we did know, have some beers. Yeah, pretzels. I mean, we did... I feel like we did the very touristy things and the very, you know, hopefully a couple off the beaten path things. We did not go to Hofbrauhaus.
3: I was going to say, even on the touristy stuff that we did, we, we try to find the more local flavor of that touristy yeah. stuff. Yeah, it was it's great. Good. It's good. Yeah,
2: we did pretty good. Part So much of the story of the European tour is about the destinations, the places you go, and it's so cool. I mean, the European tour is such a worldwide tour. To go to an actual continental European city and be in that is is cool. It's just cool to come here and see that, you know, in a major city in, in Germany, the biggest country in Europe, to see a tournament going on and the operations and all the people that go to it and everything, it was it was a treat. It was. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, all right. So this interview with Ernie Els, um, first of all, we, a big thank you to, to our partners at BMW. Uh, they have been teed us up for success. They helped set up this interview. They, they had us out to this tournament and we had absolute blast. I know that sometimes the, the partnership talk is not the most well-received here, but these are the people that helped tee us up to succeed. And I think that, They've given us every opportunity to. It's our fault if it doesn't go through, <laughs>
1: shine through very
2: well. It's
3: funny. We were talking earlier. I think DJ said he was like, "Man, like I, I'm." We're so used to getting told no, getting told States. no, or getting
1: told like, "Yeah, we might be able to make that happen," and it just, it just never, you know. Just, I guess this is probably more of a commentary on America, but yeah, everything that we've been, you know told or ideas that have been floated it has come through just doesn't work out oh god no it's just but this week it's it's just been it's like
3: nobody blows smoke up your ass they just if they can't do something they tell you that or yeah
1: exactly like you were saying Sally. i think the partnership stuff uh i'm sure people can roll their eyes sometimes when when we start saying that stuff but it's so true that i mean we try to our hardest to only pick partners that you know make us better and make you know give us opportunities to do really cool things. And I think this week was a perfect example of that. I don't think we talk to Ernie Els without uh, having a reason to be over here in Germany at this event and I mean the whole thing was just a really really cool week so yeah huge thanks to them
2: I mean Ernie missed the cut this was after his Friday round missed the cut and the tournament director asked him to do this interview and he was shot it? 80 yeah, right, yeah. and <laughs> he day. conditions were brutal yeah. put a yeah. smile but, on yeah. his face and met with three bearded dudes he'd never met before <laughs> and sat and talked to all of us we had 30 minutes we spent 40 it's one of our favorite interviews i think we've ever done all considering the circumstances and his stature in the game so uh without further ado we're going to turn it over to that thank you for uh to the bmw folks here for having us out uh the fine folks of munich and the alps and everywhere we've been it's been a special treat of a trip and uh
3: and when you get to the one more jet two. story he just kind of smirked and yeah Kind of we winged. do ask him about, yeah.
2: about the stories of his plane, uh, he kind of gives some some verbal clues like all right, let's let's move on from this. But he does answer <laughs> it very, very well. So be excited for that. So one final thing before we turn it over to the interview, I want to tell you guys about this incredible magazine that we picked up from our friends at Callaway Golf. They collaborated with Whalebone Magazine, which is an award-winning quarterly publication an authentic lifestyle brand based out of New York to produce what they've called the Golf Issue. So let me start by saying it's not your typical golf magazine. It's filled with some of the most artistic and creative and approachable spreads I've seen in a golf publication. We especially love the the behind-the-scenes look at renowned sports photographer Walter Yosef's favorite golf photos and the stories behind it. Even Michelle Wee contributed in the Rad Girls of Golf Spread, which is a look at a few junior girls already taking the game by storm. So there's a surprise every time you turn the page, and I'm not quite positive what kind of paper they use, but the texture of this thing is amazing. It's a special edition book and has a massive coffee table appeal. To get your copy, go to shopwhalebone.com and click on the golf category. They won't last long, so please do hustle. And there's also some very limited edition gear available too, like custom OGO stand bags and some sandblasted Mac Daddy 4 wedges stamped by the master Anthony Toronto. So go to shop.whalebone.com to pick up the golf issue and some merch because you're sure as hell not getting mine. So. Uh, turning over to Ernie here now, we do bypass any formal introduction of any kind, get right into the interview, so please do enjoy, and thank you for tuning in. All right, Ernie, you are known as one of the most international players in the world. Where where does your inspiration for traveling to play golf all over the world come from?
0: No, I think it's just from my heritage. I mean, South African born, and you know, in the tip of Africa, you know, you if you wanted to play or get it anywhere in the world map as a golfer you had to travel you know so i've been traveling since i was a young boy uh, i think i was 13 14 when i made my very first long trip to san diego california that's about as long as it gets to <laughs> you know it's about a 27 hour trip to there so um, yeah it's just it's in our blood i guess from down in south africa you have to travel to get anywhere
2: well, a lot of people aspire to make a career out of the PGA Tour. Once you've done that and made a very successful career out of the PGA Tour, you still traveled a lot internationally. Is that kind of just that that was kind of instilled in you from that, or? It, it
0: yeah, I guess you know when I, I got onto the European Tour first. You know, so uh, it's kind of my next stop out of South Africa was the European Tour, and um, and then kind of fell my. Got myself onto the U.S. tour in '93, '94, and I just found myself playing both tours. It's not like I wanted to; it just, you know, kind of just worked out that way. I uh, my first base out of South Africa was really in London, so I really got familiar with London, and it's a great city. And then, uh, kind of got myself a little spot in Orlando, Florida, back in the early '90s. So. I had kind of two bases out of South Africa, the main one in London, and then Orlando later. So, it just kind of morphed into what it is today, really, just by accident.
2: <laughs> if you could marry the best elements of the two main tours, of the PGA Tour and the European Tour, how would that look? What would that look like?
0: Well, I love the food in Europe. I mean, I love the food in the U.S. Obviously, but you know, you got so many different cultures over here in Europe, so many different countries, and just love. Eating, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just That's love eating and go, you know, full stop. But um, love the food over here. Um, I think the golf courses in the U.S., um, you know, condition-wise, week in and week out, uh, it's a little bit better than over here. Uh, here you have very different conditions from week to week, this week in Germany, next week um, in, in, in France, and then you go to Lynx Golf after that, you know, the Irish and the Scottish and then the British. So... Very different conditions, you got to adapt all the time, which is also interesting and nice, you know? It's not just a kind of a cookie cutter every week's the same, you know? It's a little different over here, which I like. But it's a lot easier in the States. You know, if you base yourself there and, um, you know, move from tournament to tournament in the States, it's, it's a lot easier on the body and, 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 and on the family, really.
1: What uh, When did you hit the point where you decided, okay, I need to get my own plane?
0: Well, I just fell into that one too, you know, I, um, you know, when the kids were young, I felt I wanted to try and keep them with me on the road, you know, I had a couple of good years and I had a couple of good deals, to be honest with you, that's <laughs> the only reason I got into that expensive little hobby, <laughs> um, but it's been really fun, you know, I've just sold the airplane, mm-hmm. I'm back on to, with, with jets again, but... For a very long time, I could have my family with me. I mean, we, as you, as we talked about, I mean, I played everywhere from South Africa to Australia to Dubai to Fiji, Hawaii. Um, you won in Japan. Singapore, yeah. Japan. I mean, you name it. And the kids were with us. I mean, we were like a little, um, it, we were like a bunch of gypsies <laughs> for about 10 years, you know, just everywhere we went, the kids came and I could not have done it without the airplane. So I had a real great bonding experience with my kids when they were really young which is important
1: what was the biggest culture shock of all of those places what what was the moment that kind of shook you the most
0: I mean it's there are many places we've gone you know but uh, um, I don't think that can quite prepare you for India you know India was um, we heard about you know a, a lot of people there and you know all that we loved it but Still, you know, going into Delhi, I think there's like 22 million people in down, downtown Delhi and uh, I loved it, but it was, it was a lot of people. I mean, especially where I come from in South Africa, we only about, I think there's only about 20,000 people in this little town we, where I live and to go into 22 million people was quite a, quite a shock.
1: That's how it feels like going to Orlando for me. <laughs> Where are you from? No, I'm, I'm, I'm from a small town in Illinois. I lived in Orlando for a while though, and it was, it was Yeah, probably not quite that bad. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. a lot of traffic. It's growing. We're
2: just up the road from you now. We're in Jacksonville, so we find our way uh, okay. down through Orlando a decent amount. But uh, we've heard we've heard stories a lot about the, about the plane, about the oh. traveling on the plane. I'm That's not like a hot
3: topic right now <laughs> in yeah,
0: the states. I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear that. I mean, I uh, we've had some. Interesting flights, obviously. Um,
2: they don't talk about the flights with your family too yeah, often. You know, I'm <laughs> trying to keep it clean here. No, you <laughs> don't have to. You can do whatever you like. No, the,
0: the we've had some interesting flights, obviously. Um, um, you know, Invite my friends onto the plane, you know, uh, give them a, f- a ride where I can. Um, you know, there's on the airplane very seldom on long flights that we drink uh, water <laughs> <laughs> you know definitely uh, enough beer on the plane um, a lot of the guys my caddy used to ricky used to um, fly with me a lot and he said that you know he thought that the plane could run on heineken <laughs> yeah you know we had so much in there so uh Is it yeah, only from Heineken? steve steve marino that's that's Adam, the big Adam, that's the big one. I that know keeps Adam around. Scott. Um, Scotty was is like a little brother to me. He flew with me a lot. Dustin Johnson. I mean, all the guys. Everybody flew with me. And but the Merino one is obviously the one everyone wants <laughs> want to talk about. And um, well, you know, we it just it was just myself and Stevie from Japan all the way down to Palm Beach, and um, I mean we had a lot to drink it was the end of the end of the year and it was a long way down to Florida <laughs> yeah. so you know there was a lot to talk about and um, you know we we kind of hugged each other you know it <laughs> <laughs> was, was a love fest <laughs> in the in the airplane but um, nobody got really uh, seriously injured or anything like that and it was uh, it was all in good fun. I
2: was gonna say <laughs> I, I heard at the end of that that Hands were shook at the end. I was like, all right,
3: we'll see you later, pal. That's it.
0: Exactly, like nothing happened. <laughs> it was just, um, I don't know, it's just what guys do, I guess, you know. There's a lot of testosterone running. We've heard
3: that, that uh, guys are required to surf
0: the airplane. Yeah, we surfed a couple of landings. Okay. Who, yeah, who's you the you best
3: gotta, surfer, Ab Scott?
0: Yeah, Scotty was not bad. You know, he's a, bit, a little bit light, but, you know, you got to <laughs> have good footing coming in. It's uh, more like a longboard. But really, probably. you gotta, you got to have a good pilot and... Um, Hopefully he doesn't have to put the emergency brakes on because <laughs> he'd be through the front <laughs> the, the front window. But uh, everybody surfed the landing. Everybody I can remember.
1: Well, so yeah, you yeah. mentioned, uh, you know, before we got on, just kind of feeling a little jet lagged and stuff. Did that... Have you always been a, a good traveler? Is that stuff starting to catch up with you now, later in your career? Or yeah, do you I don't
0: feel? know. Yeah, you know, I, th- I, I guess... As you get older, that you find it difficult to sleep sometimes, you know. And uh, I, I just I find it very difficult always throughout my career to go west to east. I uh, just always I, mean, I guess you guys are the same. You lose maybe. time. I mean, yeah. you just kind of kind of I can't get to sleep till two, three o'clock in the morning, and it's not good when you have a eight o'clock tea time. Yeah. You know, and I just felt out of sorts today. I, I, I don't know. I've I've done pretty well with jet lag throughout my career but uh, I think it gets tougher as you get older Yeah, yeah
2: the more you d- you think the more you do it the more you adjust to it but it's, but it's not true it's not the case yeah I
0: yeah. mean every hour is a day you know if it's a five hour time change it takes five days and that's historically that's just been my been my way so uh, you can't shortcut it
2: I almost found going to Asia even better. It you screw up yeah. so badly that it almost yeah. resets, but I think Europe and the US is actually a
3: really exactly. tough. Exactly.
0: I yeah. mean, it's just just enough to really screw you up. When you go to Asia, you miss a whole day, you kind of, you know, recalibrate. And you it's know? tough
3: here too cuz it it I mean, it really doesn't get dark till 11:00, o'clock 11:00, you know, it's still
0: dusky out. I so. know. I know. Well, you know, I've made enough excuses. I just <laughs> I just. Uh, I think I need some rest. I need like good, good three weeks away, and yeah. and, and kind of see where we go from there.
2: We're, I mean, we're tired, and we haven't had to play golf this week, <laughs> so I'm not, I'm not fully ready to move on from the plane, though. I want to know who are okay. the be- who are the best traveling companions on the flight, like the best uh, hangs.
0: All of them. I mean, all the guys. I mean, we've had um, all the way from, as I say, Stevie. Um, I mean, I've had the whole tour. I mean, Camila Villegas, um, Dustin. Um, uh jamie lovemark um, keegan bradley justin rose um can anyone not hang everybody now everybody hung <laughs> everybody um it, it's uh, henrik stenson uh, he doesn't have too many you know he he was with me from korea uh, gray mcdowell we had a great time um uh, thomas bjorn is another one that doesn't really have anything but uh you know, we forced them to have a good time. Uh, <laughs> Rolling stones with Blair uh, all the time. Uh, start me up as we get in the airplane. Oh man. Um, yeah, no, we were like rock stars, you know <laughs> We really enjoyed it. I mean, I really got a lot out of the airplane, and my pilot stayed with me for 17 years, you know, um, Rob. So he's maybe the one to talk to. Also. Yeah, I'm yeah. not going to give you too well, much. Well, no, it's great. You
2: gave you gave us enough. If you weren't going to give us the stories, we were going to go to the sources okay. and get <laughs> the stories about it. And so you gave us enough that we won't go digging too much. Yeah. No, that's great. Uh, so we have a question that we like to ask uh, both young players and 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 older players about their careers and their earnings and everything. And one thing theory that we have is how much money that Tiger has put in the pockets of other players, essentially. So I would like to ask, if in your opinion, how much money would you say Tiger has earned you over the course of your career?
0: Many. i got to thank <laughs> him. i got to really thank him. I mean, he was, he was a little better than me, so he took a little bit of money out of my pocket on the course, you know, uh, playing. But the purses just went up ridiculously. I mean, I remember when I came out, um, I think in 1994, that was kind of pre- Tiger Tiger came out in 96. Um, you know, I won uh, 360,000, was my first prize for the US Open in 94. Wow. And just a couple of years later, you know, it was a million dollars. In 97? Uh, yeah.
1: This past week it was 2 million. And
0: this past <laughs> week it was 2 million. So what he's done for the ratings, um, I mean, all you guys, I mean, really brought in mainstream media um spectators i mean you name it i mean even across the pond oh yeah so to speak you know over here um prize money has gone up popularity has gone up it's just been an amazing run how do you
1: um you know with all the international travel you've done and international wins and stuff do you feel like you're more appreciated inside the u.s or outside the u.s from a golf perspective
0: interesting i um Luckily, you know, I've 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 gelled well with with both sides. You know, the the crowds in the U.S. You know, I've had a good rapport with them, and the same over here in Europe and even Asia. You know, um I guess when you're long around, as as long as I've been around, you know, people kind of recognise you. I've, you know, I don't think I've been the biggest ass. Out there. <laughs> I've been this morning. I was maybe a little bit of an ass, but. It was a tough it's morning, jet, lag. But it's jet lag Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but for the most part, you know, I try and have a good time with them. And they've, they've, they've given me some love back. So it's been a wonderful ride uh, for a very long time. So uh, I think
1: it's your tempo. Who, who could not, <laughs> who could not root for you? Watching. Yeah, this I,
0: know. I don't know what it is, but it, it's been good. You know, I've, you know, even you get older, you know, you still want to try and play the way you used to. But you know, it's kind of starting to, to go a little bit. But they've, uh, they've respected me. You know, even though I've have gone south a little bit
2: it's got to be hard i imagine to just to find that balance between you know treating like for fans and stuff people are going to be coming up to you for eternity and you almost have to decide where to draw the line even walking from the scoring tent to here i mean people stopping you and you have to, it's got to be hard and frustrating to figure out yeah. who to say yes to and who to say no to and it's really kind of a, just a, a luck of the draw I mean, you really <laughs> just want to get out of here yeah exactly
0: <laughs> but you can't do that either you know the people um it's funny when you meet the same people as you're going up as when you're coming the other way and uh, you know I've felt that if you can treat them good going this way you know they might be nice to you when you're going the other way because it's, it's really a uh, the vicious circle it can be so uh, um, I think that it's part and parcel of, of being out here for a long time is um, you want to be friends with the guys playing and you want to be okay with the, the spectators you know it could be a a long road out, yeah. You if you're not, uh, if you don't have a rapport yeah. with with people,
2: we were doing uh, just a bit of research for looking into. We I don't remember this happening. We were, I think, all in high school when it happened. But in 2004, we saw there was a letter you received once from Tim Fincham about requesting that you play the PGA Tour mm. more frequently. What was even the kind of the basis of that? How did that come about? I mean, that, that just seems kind of insane looking back at it now.
0: Yeah, I mean, even today still, I mean, I I hear the youngsters talking, you know, and a, a lot of the youngsters are struggling to play 15 events. In my day back then, uh, Tim wanted us to play more than 15, uh, closer to 20 events. And um, I felt that was getting really tight for me. You know, in my heyday, I never really played many more than 17 events on the u.s tour i mean i wish i played a bit more but um, you know I, I had a lot of events to play but yeah tim really was pushing on that and then eventually we pushed back you know against it and now you guys only have to play 15 so um, i remember Sevi by asteros uh, a lot of the guys uh, before me had the same issue with him and then eventually we kind of got to a, a good Grounding, uh, where he was happy with the events I was playing, and and I think now the guys, you know, playing 15 is a lot better than playing 18. I mean, he would have nobody playing on that tour, and I think Tiger had something to do with that too, maybe. Yeah,
2: kind of what he says <laughs> usually goes. I think. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so we want to kind of go through some of your some of your best memories of your career, and just kind of ask what the first thing you think of is when you think of the 1994 U.S. Open. What's the first memory you have, or the best story you have from that open?
0: Just hot, just weather. <laughs> i think still today i don't think we've played in warmer weather really you know even singapore and malaysia i mean it was 105 and the index must have felt like 115 i mean it was a freaking oven
1: that was congressional right?
0: From, uh, that was actually uh, pittsburgh. O- Oakmont. Oh, Oakmont. pittsburgh oh, oh right. 94 okay. is Oakmont. Oakmont, yeah
2: i mean the first thing you think of is heat you don't think of you're winning your first major I <laughs>
0: think of that and um you know i haven't really Looked at that tape for quite some time. But I remember uh, my wife, my girlfriend then, Liesl, and myself, how young we were. I mean, we were 24, but we were a young 24. If I look around these these kids now, you know, they're kind of a bit more worldly. Maybe not worldly is not the right word, but they're a bit more mature than we were. Um, I remember, you know, the Monday, we finished on the Monday, I remember sitting in the clubhouse upstairs with some friends, you know, obviously drinking some beer again, <laughs> talking that <laughs> beer, and um, watching the OJ Simpson oh, yeah. deal go down. Oh, wow. You know that was the Bronco. That's, That's right. right. Yeah, that, was, that was Arnold's Arnie's last last round. And yeah, right. Arnold, absolutely. Yeah. I was watching Arnold. You know, there was after. something else like NBA Finals. Or yeah, something. yeah. It was that same day? NBA NHL finals. I think. NHL. NHL. Yeah. I think the Pitt, uh not Pittsburgh, the, the Rangers, New York Rangers. Yeah, yeah, they won. And I <laughs> what a day. after that, I used, I, I actually got to meet uh, Mark Messier. Oh, yeah. and I remember he he won the Stanley Cup. So yeah, a lot of lot of lot of stuff happened in '94, man. <laughs> <laughs> <don't know> <laughs> Seriously, you, I mean, that back week alone. It, yeah, jeez. All right,
2: what about 1997 at Congressional? Well, f- first uh, about '94, yeah. I was stunned to h- see that in the playoff that you started bogey triple. Yeah, and you won the 18, 18- or you yeah. tied Lauren Roberts into that playoff.
0: I had to have miracle because that's the, probably the, the toughest golf course in the world, and being four over after two holes, and then. Playing the next sixteen holes and one under par, and then going into the southern death with with Lauren, I think I don't think Lauren got over this one because he must have thought I was gone, yeah, and I kind of me? just snuck myself back in, they got into a playoff and then oh, then it went my way, so yeah. I, you know you got to feel for Lauren, but yeah that was a crazy, crazy week, crazy day, I mean long week, yeah. 90, ninety holes. <laughs> I always remembered Lauren. I didn't remember
3: Colin Montgomery in Monty. that first playoff, too. So you beat him in Yeah, Monty in
0: was there, both. too, yeah. I mean, Monty, um, and I guess Monty must have run out of, uh, out of gear because on the Monday, it was still like 107 degrees, and he, as a Scotsman, had all black on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I think he was a little warm going off the first tee and um, it might have showed in his play I don't know I think we were all just a bit tired but uh, it was interesting to see him in all black yeah that's was for sure pretty uh, you know
2: you can guess where we're going to go next 97 US Open 97
0: uh, um, yeah I mean I remember my parents being there um, you know and obviously you remember the 17th hole and you know a clutch putt on 18 um and then seeing 17 unfold behind me. You could see everything unfold there. Uh, you know, with Maggot going to water, Tom Lehman going the water, you know, Monty uh, just missing his putt on 17. You know, I played with him. So, um, kind of nerve-wracking stuff, but I felt that was the most comfortable I ever felt in a major.
2: Did it feel different the second time, like winning the second yeah, for the second time? Yeah,
0: I was... Um, Always I was a bit more established as a player. You know, I've won quite a few events since '94 on the tour. There, <clears throat> I was close to being number one in the world, so I was I was kind of becoming quite an established player and uh, felt very comfortable that whole week for some reason. Uh, although, you know, at the end there, you know, I had to make some clutch putts and clutch shots. The five iron on 17, you know, hitting it in there, I was the only one to part it of the final guys, and then parting 18 with a five-footer. Those, those are the things I, I really remember. And then, and then remembering my, my father being there on Father's Day. Um, that was a really, really special time.
3: Outside of the majors, what what's your, what victory are
0: you most proud of You know what? Um, you know, I've had quite a few, thankfully. Um, but the ones that stand out, you know, I won seven world match plays. You know, that was, a, that was something that nobody's done before at Wentworth. Um, I won three three straight Heineken classics on one of the best golf courses in the world, Royal Melbourne. That mean and a I lot. to exactly. I just wanted to mention that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. That's where the beer came from. But, you know, to, and to shoot 60 around Royal Melbourne, um, that course record will hopefully hold up for a while that was really special um we South played Africa there in november Open. and it, we it's did safe. not yeah, yeah. The Are you safe. were there he
3: was 600 through five i think we we're like all right maybe he's got a shot at this and then you know kind of went by the wayside
0: after yeah. that no it's an unbelievable place i mean great course and you know now you know the president's cup's going back there and uh you know the 98 president's cup the only one we ever won was at Royal Melbourne, so there's there's a kind of a, a nice uh, a nice ring to that uh, in Australia. And in, in South Africans and Australians, historically, we don't get along. You know, we, you know, in sporting terms, we don't get along. You know, so it it was kind of strange that I had such a nice affinity with uh, Royal Melbourne.
2: What's the rivalry mostly there? Cricket or rugby? It's cricket yeah. and rugby,
0: um, mostly anything i'm not a surfer but in, in, i know surfing they they got better surfers than us at the moment but have <laughs>
3: they had your number in cricket or rugby or what's the um the reason
0: for a little bit there they they had us in cricket for about three or four years there but um you know now they they they're kind of struggling with with a lot of things at the moment but uh, hopefully they can Pull us through in this Presidents Cup.
2: <laughs> how does that? How did the process for you becoming the Presidents Cup captain work? And did you have 2019 as the year that you knew you wanted to, or who approaches who? How does that process no,
0: work? No, I'm not sure. I mean, uh, Nick Price asked me uh, to help him at, at Liberty a couple of years ago, and then um, you know we weren't sure who was going to be captain. And then the next thing I heard that uh, you know. Jay Monahan said that I should be captain and I, I really jumped at it. You know, there was, there's no real set uh, way of how new captains come in. Yeah. I'm not sure who's going to be the next guy. It's a fantastic
3: host course to be able to captain at. Absolutely. Will I mean, you have any latitude as far as how to set up the course?
0: I know that's kind of been a point of contention in the
3: past. with, yeah, with I, the international I tried, team.
0: but they've, they've got their rules set. Uh, neither of the captains really has a big advantage you know whether the U.S. captain in the U.S. doesn't get that much advantage and the same with us down there the only thing going for me is that I know the course very well and I've got a, a very uh, comfortable uh, way of, 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 of going to Australia You know, I know Melbourne very well I know the hotel very well and I know the conditions very well. So I can give that to the players already told them that. Whatever they need to know about that course, you know, I can give them a little bit of... And there's uh, a pretty
3: good pretty good uh, feeling that it'll be firm and fast.
0: Yeah. I mean, at that time of the year, it'll be early December. Um, conditions can be like this, mm-hmm. believe it or not. And then the next day, it can be 100 degrees. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's a... It's got a different t- climate down there in Melbourne. I mean, I'm sure you guys have been there.
2: We were out on that golf course, and it was about 95 degrees, and a breeze came from the opposite direction, and the temperature dropped it's 20 drops. degrees in, in eight seconds. It was yeah, amazing. it's almost
0: like San Francisco, Cape Town. Yeah. I mean, you can go places around the world. It, it's just, it's amazing. So when
1: you're, when you're looking to pick players for that team, what do you what do you think you base that on? Is it kind of you know past victories and experience and that stuff? Is it recent form? Is it who fits the course? Probably yeah, it's interesting.
0: Stuff. I mean, at all of those above that you mentioned. I think um, I've got four picks. You know, eight guys are going to qualify through the world rankings, and then I've got four picks. And I've already told the guys that I will look at guys who have done well at the Royal Melbourne. You know, if there's a local guy and he's in real good form, I might throw him in a hat and, and, and ask the guys if, if they're okay with that. I really want to have the, the guy's influence in... Um, in the four picks this time around because they have to play with these guys you know i want them to be really comfortable with them it's not there's no use of me picking guys and then and the other guys aren't comfortable so so yeah i mean i think a a a guy that's an expert around royal melbourne might have a good chance of of getting in the team
2: as someone who at at the time you'd already won three majors been under the pressure of major championships that playoff in the 03 president's cup against tiger With all of your teammates, all of the pressure riding on you and and everything that was at stake, did that feel different than being in contention in a major?
0: Yeah, I did. I mean, it was totally different. I mean, I was more nervous um, there than anywhere else because in a major, if you screw up, it's yourself, you. You blame yourself and, you know, you get out of town. But if you screw up in front of your teammates, for your team, for a cup, very different, you know. Uh, I can sense now what nba guys must feel like you know at the free free throw line (laughs) exactly for for the championship or going for a three-pointer and stuff like that i mean it is on the line Um, and in golf it's it's not a moving sport like nba or tennis so you got a lot of time to think about your next (laughs) shot and all your guys are there and the crowds are there that was tough and i'm very I'm very glad that both of us made putts because it, it would have been hard on either of us if, if we didn't make those putts and, and somebody had to lose. And almost thankfully it went dark because...
2: What did you think of the decision, I guess, yeah, to tie? I mean, yeah, it, I mean there it, wasn't it's, another it's, decision at all. It's, that it's
0: unique think. because I think it was, uh, it was a good decision because, I mean, very close to Thanksgiving, I mean, at the end of the day, there's more life, you know, after golf. And the Americans, the guys that plane was ready, they were going to go back to the States. There were things that were set in, in place. People had to be places the next day. So um, I think the right decision was made. You're so far away from the rest of the world in, in Africa. You know, you sleep and then the next day go out there and play. I think it, it could have been really unfair on, on, on either side. You guys should write in the
1: captain's agreement that uh, if it comes down to a tie, you and Tiger, as the <laughs> captains, have to, have to break nah, the
0: tie. No, nah, I think he's he's in he's in better form than I am at the moment. <laughs> well, you got um, a year. You, could, you, know, you, uh, can, you yeah, can work on yeah. yeah. No, I think, I think we'll give it to the guys. Let the boys <laughs> uh, struggle. That's now. right. That's nice of you. Yeah. Let <laughs> yeah, them have the let moment. Me, let me sit on the sideline for this one. What is
2: the current the current status of your game? What are your your goals, I guess, for this stage of your career? What are you working on, and what are you what are you hoping to get out of this stage of your career?
0: Well, um, I was trying to get a better form this year, but it hasn't quite come around. But I'm I'm looking forward to the to the Open Championship is my next uh, next ma- next major, and I might play the Scottish Open, but you know I'll be 49 in October. Um, and 50 next October. I've got the President's Cup coming up. I'm going to give that my full attention. Um, and I want to play, but I, I'm, I think I'm going to play a little bit less than I have been. You know, I, I can feel... Um, yeah. And also my frustration level is sky high because I'm not playing the way I want to play and that really frustrates me. And What part of your game are you most frustrated it's with? It's my mental game. I mean, my physical game is not bad. I just make the most silly errors that you you cannot believe and I remember speaking to some of my mentors you know uh, Nick Price Greg Norman uh, Nick Faldo and they all say that they'll be playing perfectly well or everything's fine and then out of the blue phew, something happens it's like where did that come from and that's kind of what I'm going through now I'm going fine 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 and then out of the blue I, I do something like you would never even imagine as a as a rookie so that those are the frustrating things you know other than that i'm i'm perfectly fine so um, we'll see where it goes i mean i'd like to play i want to play competitively and i want to feel like i have chances to win i i don't want to be missing cuts and and uh, play half weeks will you play the champions tour at all definitely yeah yeah i'll play the champions tour and that's why i think i need to be fresh Because uh, those boys are playing. (laughs) It seems like everyone
2: that turns fifty, everyone says, "Oh, he's gonna tear up the tour." And it's not. No, no, it's not
0: happening. It's it's very competitive. And
3: it's a different style of golf a little bit too. You're you're just firing at flags, and you gotta.
0: I know you gotta be on. I mean, you gotta make seven, eight birdies a day. You know, and the guys are doing that. You know, so I'm looking forward to playing golf courses. We can actually make birdies (laughs) uh, get to par fives and two again and and, and stuff like that but you're going to have to have your game I mean all these guys are are ready to to go and we're going to have a big class of 69 you know there's a lot of my guys going in I mean Ratif's going in Um, you know Jimmy Furyk um you know, there's so many I mean Angel Cabrera I mean Darren Clark's going in so there's about 10-12 of us coming so it'll, it'll be very competitive
2: what did you think of uh, how Shinnecock Hills ended up playing out
0: yeah it was um, unfortunate I mean it's it's one of the best golf courses in the, in the, on the planet I mean I think it's ranked number three or four um, so you got an unbelievable venue uh, and to to mess it up like that again is uh, is just crazy, you know. They, when the fairways were that wide, um, maybe the USJ thought that they had to really get going with the greens, which they did. You know, even the first day we played in the afternoon, and all the flags were right on uh, on the edges. It was really right on the on the line um, of being unfair already on Thursday. Then the rains came on. Th- Friday morning, softened things up, and then I'd let it go again on Saturday, putting flags all over on, on mounds and almost off the greens. So I, I really, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, disappointed. Not little, I'm, I'm quite disappointed. I mean, that was my 25th straight year playing in the US Open. So I've seen them all. You know, and um, it seems like we keep going back uh, every now and again to where the USGA just can't find their happy medium of just letting the golf course be. You know, you got one of the best iconic golf courses in the whole of the world, and you're going try and really get tricky with the golf course. It's just not. It shouldn't happen. What, what was your favorite
1: setup that you saw? Whether it's one that you won or not. <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, there's been some really good ones, um, but I would say in my 25 years, I would say. It's been half good and half bad. Yeah, and um, you know I don't mind playing a tough course and getting it in tough uh, shape for us to to score on. But be fair and and don't kill the greens. You know it seems like they the greens die when the USGA <laughs> go <Yeah>. there. <laughs> Pebble Beach in 2010, it was a joke. It was terrible. You know, the greens with the Pohanna was dead. And the greens, I mean, it was terrible. That's one of the best golf courses in the world again. It's just, it's just, I just don't get it. You Comparing
3: know, they, your win, or the setup for your win at at, Oak, at Oakmont in 94 versus the setup.
0: Yeah, you see there too, ago. you know, the Saturday, we could hold the, the, the greens. I remember shooting 66 on a Saturday at Oakmont and, um, and a lot of my friends said, because I shot 70, I think I shot 73 or 4 on the final day, they said, oh, you were, you were choking, you choked. So sure, I choked a little bit, but I couldn't get near a flag, where I could shoot at the flags on Saturday. On Sunday, they took the moisture out of the place, and they put the flags on, on positions, and you couldn't really score. So... You know, it was dictated of how the golf course was set up again. You know, the conditions can just fluctuate so mm-hmm. much, uh, which I really don't, which I really don't get. So, you know, yeah. Hopefully, they they get it right because they just haven't had it right. I mean, got some Chambers Bay was was pathetic. Um, then you had last year at a new golf course. Felt like a tour tournament, you know. Sixteen under and then, and then this year they they do that to Shinnecock. So I don't know where this thing's going to end.
2: Hmm. A couple more, and we'll get, we'll let you get out of here. We appreciate your time, but uh, first, want to know what is, what are you most proud of in, in your entire career?
0: <sighs> wow, that's a, that's a good one. I should have thought about that one. I, you know, being out here for quite some time, you know, I turned pro back in 1990 um and playing i think all over the world and and um and winning all over the world i think that's that's really something um yeah and i mean you know and just uh, having a good rapport with people i think leaving the stage i think is is important that you leave with with some dignity you know yeah I mean the game beats the hell out of you but um I'm still in good stead with with the fans with the players um and so forth and 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 really playing a worldwide schedule I think we touched on that I think that that made me a little bit different and and I did it my whole career which was kind of nice and I think
2: I think most people would agree that your your foundation work Else for Autism is is one of the most recognizable names yeah. in the in the golf world I guess when it comes to charity work. Can it, can you tell us about the passion that is behind your your foundation and work? And was
1: there was there many foundations when you started it? It seems like every golfer kind of has a yeah. foundation now which I know is a big drive of the tour but was there much of that when you started it or w- or was it a pretty new idea?
0: Well, you know, you got to give the PGA Tour credit. I mean, they they are a charity based organization i mean that drives them every tournament we go to there's charity dollars being given to to local charities so you know you have a a pretty good understanding of of what the tour is all about um i was lucky enough that i had things go my way and my parents uh, could send me overseas so my first thought uh, before my family came around was to help Junior golfers uh, have the opportunity to be able to do what I did. Get out of South Africa um, and go and try and play overseas. I mean, that our exchange rate compared to the dollar and the pound is, is really weak. So you have to have a lot of capital to, to leave the country. So my first uh, deal that we did was a foundation uh, for junior golf. Guys were are pretty good, we would help them. Through school... Um, and give them the opportunity to go overseas and play. And then the family came around, especially with Ben. And when Ben was born, he was with autism. You know, when we got our heads around it, myself and my wife started uh, Else for Autism. And, um, you know, we moved our base from London to the U.S. Because in London, there wasn't the care that um, my boy could get. It wasn't good enough. We were very comfortable in Florida, and the US people are just the most unbelievable people. We raised money, and we've built this one-of-a-kind school for autism um, in Florida, and this this kind of school is exactly what the people of autism need right around the world, so hopefully governments, people will come and look at this school and build a hundred of these things, cause my boy has gone through the roof. He would l- absolutely hate going to school. I had to drag him out of the house, in the car, out of the car, into the class, kicking, screaming. He cannot wait wow. to get his ass out of the house, <laughs> in the car, out of the car, at school. And now we got to drag him out of school to, to go home. That's how it's flipped yeah. well, in our lives. That's so cool. And that's... And that is where it's at. So uh, it's really changed our world, changed our lives, and, um, you know, we need to keep going.
2: Awesome. All right, Ernie, we took up more time of yours than uh, than we asked for. So Thanks, we'll boys. let you go. I appreciate you uh, stopping in with us and telling some stories. Thanks it's a great. lot. Great. Man, appreciate uh, it.
0: Thank you. We kept it clean. Yeah. <laughs> Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yes! Ernie, yes. that's better than most
1: how about him that is better than most better than most